We got a lot of work to do tonight. A lot of things um, that I think maybe have been misapplied about singleness or misunderstood. Um, my hope is that I'm just going to unpack a good bit of scripture um, and commentate on that a little bit on what Jesus's vision of it, how he thought of it, Paul as well. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say the elephant in the room, I am not single. <laughs> I am not. I am happily married. And so there might be an authority there that you feel like I cannot speak into it. Um, fortunately, I'm going to use the Bible <laughs> instead of me. Um, but I do want to just admit that there is some real, I would say, pain in singleness um, there's real grief that can be brought in that. Um, so I just want to go ahead and admit that there is some experience that I cannot really speak into. Um, but my hope is from the scriptures, we build out kind of a theology of this. And then these four chairs are not for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in me. Um, these, we have some panelists that are coming to speak, yeah, into their experience, um, some things that they really, I'm just so excited for this, to find so helpful to speak into um, and to kind of correct and help us rethink singleness in light of the kingdom of God. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in uh, to this. Father in heaven, um, we don't shy away from really difficult topics. Um, we want to come at them head on um, to see what you think about these things, to, to get your heart, to get your eyes. Um, Father, we maybe bring a lot of different interpretations, a lot of different ideas around singleness. Maybe even in this room we're married and we have thought poorly about this or expected certain things of people who are single. Um, God, I just pray for humility as all of us kind of come to the text. Um, reshape what we view about this in light of the scriptures. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to do my best um, to go as quickly as possible, but there are a lot of things I think we've gotten wrong about this. Um, so Bear with me as we work through this, and then the fun stuff will get up, and we'll have some panelists. But first things first, um, I want to just speak a little bit into kind of our current cultural moment around singleness. So in America, there are more single people in the millennial generation than there are married people. That is the first time in American history that that has happened. The median age for guys for marriage is around 29, and for girls, it's 27. And by the time current young adults reach the age of 50, one in four of them will have been single their whole life. With the rise of singleness also comes the rise of anxiety over singleness. With the onslaught of social media, perfect marriages, whatever that means, portrayed, the freaking Hallmark Channel, the obsession of sex and marriage in our culture is, it is the air that we breathe. And singleness has almost become this like obstacle to overcome. And the Apostle Paul's heart, and when he's writing about these things, he says not to be anxious about singleness. How's that going? Anxiety over singleness is not even just among singles, but of, among married Christians trying to get their single friends married. <laughs> single people hearing over and over, are you dating anyone? Hey, I've got blank. You should date him. Well, you know, me and your dad got married late telling their 29-year-old daughter when they were married at 24. <laughs> This is a quote uh, from a book called Celibate Sex. Um, singles today are a widow of sorts, needing to be listened to, needing a framework for who we are and how we fit into the Christian family. What does it mean to abstain from sex while respecting sexual wirings? What does it mean to be content in one's singleness while longing towards marriage? 
Can I be sexual without a spouse? Is a spouse something I'm allowed to keep hoping for? What does it mean to be beautiful and also embody sexuality? What does it mean to wait well and proactively and to desire genuinely and passionately? There are real roots fears among our friends who are single. Fears of loneliness, rejection, longing. I mean, social media, you see your friends on like their third kid in a backyard. (laughs) Is there enough eligible people in this church? What about the other church I attend to see if there's eligible people there? (laughs) As to which I will make my decision on that. What about the entire city of Charlotte? (laughs) This is really fascinating. Um, One of the Supreme Court justices by the last name of Kennedy, I don't don't know their first name, but around the time when the gay community was given institutional or, or legalization of marriage, he came out with this quote talking about it. He said, marriage responds to the universal fear that a lonely person might call out only to find no one there. It offers the hope of companionship and understanding and assurance that while both still live, there will be someone to care for the other. And what was so fascinating is there was a riot among people who were single when that quote came out. Because their whole thing is like, what do you mean? Are we like some less than human? That we don't have people to care for us? And that controversy, like it was a real thing, but it was kind of buried in the midst of everything that was going on. But what was adopted and accepted and made widespread was this mantra, you are not complete until you are married. And so that is the air that we breathe, (laughs) is sex and marriage are the ultimate expression of human flourishing. And I think There are a lot of us in the church that think that too. So we need a theology of singleness from the scriptures to help us think well about these things. I just wanna start with this. The Bible affirms singleness. We see this in Matthew 19. We'll break that down in a second. But singleness is complex. It is not just one category. There's no single experience that is quite, quite like the other Some single, it's by choice, some are widowed. Some long to be married but haven't found a spouse yet. Jesus, the archetype of humanity, was single. And if you say, well, that's not fair, he was God, he could like just pass off like all sexual temptation and just whatever. That is called docetism, which is a early church heresy. Believing that Jesus is somehow not fully human. (laughs) Hebrews 4, it says that he, our high priest, he is able to empathize with our weakness. And all points tempted as we are yet without sin, meaning he was a sexual being because he was human. And he had all the same experiences that we experience, sexual desire, temptation, longings. Paul, who is the greatest missionary from what we could tell, chose not to be married because he got a revelation from God in the kingdom of heaven. As we'll see in Matthew 22 later, um, we need an end of days, an eschatological vision. That's what that means. A vision about marriage and about singleness, of what is going to happen, what is our reality as humans on the end, on the other side. So we're gonna break through just a few things. The first one, singleness is taught by Jesus. I think in this conversation, we first need to address two extremes about marriage. Number one, there is an absolute obsession of marriage on one end of that spectrum. It idolizes it. The way we think about marriage, and maybe you've thought about this too. Tim Keller says this, I just want someone to fill every single vacancy in me. I want someone to awaken dormant gifts inside. I want someone to continuously enrapture me in otherworldly emotional bliss. That puts a hair bit of too much expectation on your spouse. (laughs) That they have to somehow like fill all of that for you. 
What's really interesting is marriage for most of human history was not about romance. That's actually a modern concept. Marriage was in an ancient context. It was largely about uniting families together for power, for influence, for money. And so in that context, you probably were in an arranged marriage. But now in a society that is obsessed with self-fulfillment and romance, the narrative scripts around human flourishing are deep within us and they come more from Hollywood than Jesus. Find your person, your soulmate. Or we hear things like, I just want a spiritual leader. And singleness is then seen as some horrific purgatory, one that you need to be like rescued from with marriage. The other side of that um, spectrum about marriage is there is opposition to it. And this comes out of legitimate pain and legitimate oppression. And this comes out of abuse specifically towards women. Maybe you grew up in a home where one of your parents was awful to one another or you were in a messy divorce and you never want to get married because that was the view of marriage that you saw. And these are legitimate pains. But I do want to say that marriage is a good thing seen by God. One of the many things that I think broken people have messed up. And so we need to view things that God says is good as good, marriage and singleness. So with both of those extremes painted, Jesus is not obsessed with marriage, but he's also not opposed to it. He actually, in singleness, he sees opportunity. Matthew 19, verse eight. So this is context. He's been confronted around this issue of divorce and he's gonna give kind of his explanation and interpretation of it. And then he's gonna talk about some people that specifically are single. So verse eight, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said, well, if this is the situation, is it better not to marry? (laughs) So there's two schools of thought here around divorce in his day. One was that you could divorce your spouse over just anything. Like if she looks at you wrong, you could divorce her. The other school of thought was it had to be some major offense. And what's really interesting is Jesus, and then Paul picks up on this later with concepts of abandonment or even an abuse, legitimate reasons for divorce, but it also, you can't just divorce your spouse because you don't like them. And so it's like a protection over that. And he's saying not everyone can accept this because the disciples are like, this, is, this feels impossible. What if I fall out of love? What do I do there? And he's saying not everybody can accept this. And then he goes on into talking about uh, eunuchs. So verse 11 Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And then there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so what he's talking about there, um, those that have been born this way, he seems to have in mind um, intersex people, people that do not have... We don't have any kids in here, right? Okay, genitalia. (laughs) Um, There are people that were born that way. There are people that were mutilated, probably by others. But then he's saying there are people that choose not to be mutilated, but people to choose this lifestyle of choosing not to have sex, choosing not to be married to others for the sake of the kingdom. In his day, the Jewish view of Um, Yeah, the Jewish view of eunuchs was one that they saw them as like deplorable. They hated them. Because in Judaism, you had to be married in order to get the blessing of God. They worked out of a Genesis narrative. It's similar in Islam. Muhammad would say that um, to not get married was overstepping the bounds of the law. In Mormonism, to achieve the version of eternal salvation you must get married. So in the Jewish imagination, the way that you would experience covenant blessing was to marry, to have kids, to obey the law, 
and to get financial blessing. And so if you were a eunuch, either made that way or chose that lifestyle, there was no hope for you. There was no place for you. In Jewish or Greek society, to get the good life, then you were without hope. And so when Jesus comes along, he says, yeah, there are some that are born that way, some that are made that way, but I've got good news for you. You should actually choose to be a eunuch, to practice the lifestyle of a eunuch. Not to be mutilated, but to say, choose that lifestyle. That would have been so weird. That would have been so unheard of. When Jesus comes along, he's giving a whole new declaration about who people were, what their identity was, and a whole new category in the participation of the kingdom of God. One that welcomes and empowers those who remain single in a society that shamed them, giving them dignity and a whole new vision of life in the kingdom. I love this from Isaiah 56. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and holds fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. I love this because this is in the, do y'all know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts 8? So what he's reading from is Isaiah 53, the idea of the suffering servant. And then three chapters later, he would see you are welcomed in the kingdom of God. Under Jesus, the nature of the kingdom of God, the nature of singleness and blessing and mission is completely shifted. I love what Barry Danilek says. I think that's how you say his name. The New Testament that does not interpret the mandate given to Adam and Noah and Jacob as a divine imperative impingent upon all. Nor are, all, nor are traditional marriage, procreation, material prosperity explicitly associated with blessing in the, new, in the new covenant. Instead, the central message of the New Testament is this, proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Jesus's primary concern in his ministry is not to provide a prescription for living well in the land or to bestow spiritual life, but it's new life in the spirit. Hence, so next slide. In the New Testament, we are not given an explicit mandate to marry or procreate human beings. We were given a mandate to create spiritual beings. Disciples in the form of Jesus, as we find in the words of Matthew's great commission, all authority has been given to me, now go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So in the Old Testament, it's about family, children, the land, prosperity, but in the New Testament, it's about spiritual children. New birth, the kingdom of God, eternal fruit. Isaiah 54, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Galatians 3, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor, nor slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ. That is the most radical claim of personhood. Why? Because in a culture where your significance was seen by family, marriage, and kids, and especially for women, your dignity was seen as to whether you could procreate. Jesus is saying, no, your value and your dignity is not by your ability to get married or have kids, but by me. This was a giant shift in the kingdom of God. He opened a staggering door that said, there is no way for you to participate in blessing if you don't get married. And Jesus comes in and he puts the focus not on physical heirs, but commands us to make spiritual heirs. But don't hear what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying kids are the worst. I'm not saying they're a burden or any of that. Kids are precious and God loves them dearly. But when you say marriage or kids is the end goal, then you are focusing on something that not even the New Testament focuses on. When we focus on the primary question of when, you're, when are you getting married, you're focusing on something that Jesus does not focus on. What if we ask the question, man, how are you doing in your discipleship to Jesus? Are you making disciples, spiritual kids? Guys, this is so important. Because for Jesus, the end goal, the key to human flourishing is to become a person of love, to become like him, to teach others to become like him in this new family, to make spiritual heirs. And he says, if you can receive this, he's talking to people specifically that are single, if you can receive this, I have new opportunity for you. So now that I've completely stirred the pot, let's get a little bit more controversial. Singleness is taught by Paul. 1 Corinthians 7, so verse seven, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. So he's talking in the context, this verse is coming out of a context of a passage where he's speaking specifically to people who are married but he's saying, I wish that you would just like be like me. And Paul was single. Some people have seen um, the word gifting there, specifically tying that to what Paul means about the spiritual gifts later on, and that's not a big exegetical jump at all. Um, but what happens there, if that is only what that is, it creates this select few that you're like happy, happy to do life unmarried, not having sex, and you're just like quite content in that. <laughs> but what's interesting is the gift of singleness is actually not a phrase used in scripture. In context, again, Paul's talking about marriage. He's saying, I wish some of you would take up this lifestyle of singleness, like Jesus said. But he says, some of you have this gift. He's attributing that to his own lifestyle as singleness. But then another has that gift, meaning marriage. Do you see that? The two kind of, that he's playing on there? So then what are the implications of this? It does not mean that you have the gift of, if you have the gift of singleness, it does not mean you have just like the special power of the Holy Spirit to be really good at singleness. It does not mean that you just don't have a libido. <laughs> Gift of singleness, it's been seen as some like Holy Spirit booster shot to help you cope with singleness because then by implication, singleness sucks. <laughs> so we need some like Holy Spirit booster shot to help us. I've gotta have some sort of special gift. And if I don't have that gift and I'm single, then I guess I'm just dead in the water and God really isn't for me. There has to be more going on here. Well, there is because we don't follow the same logic with what Paul means about the gift of marriage. Well, I'm married, I don't have the gift of marriage or I'm just not that gifted at marriage, so I probably should get out. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. Listen, if you are single or if you are married, you have the gift of singleness if you are single or if you are married, you have the gift of marriage because it is a state of being. That's what he's talking about here. Sam Alberry says it's an opportunity to taste the goodness of God and to be a conduit of that goodness to the lives of others. So if you're married, there is a way through your marriage to experience the goodness of God and to be a blessing to others. If you're single, same way. There is a way through singleness to experience the goodness of God and to be a blessing to others. So in that, we can actually receive that. Not pretending that it's easy, because like marriage, when it gets hard, you don't just say, well, marriage is a bad thing and I need to get out. 
It's not seen as some booster shot to kill your sex drive. But it is a time where God is inviting you into unique and beautiful opportunities into the kingdom of God. That's what that means. And so what about this next verse where Paul's talking about like burning with passion? Verse eight, now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they can't control themselves, they should marry. For it's better, than, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So this word there for unmarried, more than likely, so the word there is agamas, more than likely, he means that as an umbrella term, not talking about a specific type of singleness, but an umbrella term for being unmarried. The reason for that, it's the same word that's used in verse 11 when he's talking about wives uh, who divorce or separate from their husbands not to or to remain unmarried. I don't have time to unpack divorce tonight, um, but just telling you that's the same term that's used there. And then he says, if they can't control themselves. We read this in a modern context of a sex-obsessed world. We see that as, okay, well, if I don't have any sort of self-control, if I don't have any sort of sexual desire at all and it makes me uncomfortable to resist sexual desire, then I'm just not cut out for singleness. If you cannot resist sexual control, i.e. you are just a normal human being, then I just must not be cut out to remain single. That is not what that is saying there. Because in other parts of scripture, we see it as the working of the Holy Spirit that gives self-control. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, it is the fruit of the Spirit. What is one of those? Self-control. So it is not some extra thing. We have to be careful to say, I can't have self-control, so then I just need to get married to remain pure. Yes, you can have self-control if you're a follower of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've got bad news for you. If you're single, sexual temptation does not just go away when you get married. But self-control is developed and it is given as a fruit of those who are in the vine. So if you are married or single, that comes. Another thing here, if they cannot control themselves, that phrase is actually in the present tense, meaning if they are not exercising self-control. So again, context of marriage in the first century, more than likely, because this was a predominant arranged marriage society, more than likely what Paul is referring to here is he's saying those who are betrothed. If you're betrothed and you're just like having sex with your betrothed partner, like you need to be married. That doesn't make sense. Because again, if you were betrothed, like it was not uncommon for you to be betrothed early on in your life. So he has in mind here, people who are presently having sex with their betrothed partner. He's saying, that's not right. If you're gonna do that and you're already gonna get married anyway, you need to be married. It is better to marry than to burn. A lot of translations say that is burn with passion. That's not what's actually there <laughs> in the Greek. The word there is poirao, which literally just means to burn. It's used five other times in the New Testament and none of them mean with passion. It just means fire. So it could be with passion, it could be with judgment, maybe a little bit of both, but it's not that clear in the text. But here's the point, resisting sexual temptation is something that all Christians should do it's not okay, I guess you're just weak and don't have self-control, so just go get married. If you have the Holy Spirit, he is building in you self-control. It is an active thing that we are doing is keeping in step with the Spirit. How are we doing? I told you it was a lot that we're wading through. A lot of things have been misapplied, but I've got one more kind of passage and then just a few kind of practical things. Then we'll get a panel up here. Let's turn to Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, Jesus is accosted by um, the Sadducees. They were the intellectual elite of his day. 
and they were like giving Jesus like this mother of all hypotheticals. <laughs> they were saying, well, hey, if this guy is married to this girl and then he dies and then she marries someone else and then he dies and then she marries someone else and he dies. And that happens seven times, Jesus. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And he says in verse 29, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So Jesus is pointing out there that there is no marriage in heaven other than the church of Jesus and himself. So that means we are all headed for singleness. Why in heaven are we single? You get that? Danielle uh, Truick, she says, earthly marriage. <laughs> that was a delayed uh, reaction there. She says, earthly marriage acts as an important foreshadow of eternity in here and now. On the other hand, the unmarried form of life is not a foreshadow of eternity, but an actual forecast of it. What she means by that is marriage on earth, it is working out this big picture covenant love of God with his people, of Jesus with the bride of Christ. But in singleness, it gives us a foretaste and a prophetic signpost that this is not all that there is. It begs a question, is Jesus the most important person to you? Because singleness points to what all of our realities will be one day. Intimacy with the Father, unveiled faces, and with each other, unromantically. It's an invitation to siblinghood, like now, to practice the family of Jesus now. We spent a lot of time talking about this this past Sunday, as what does the church as family mean? But remember, 342 times in the New Testament, we are called brothers and sisters. It is the most common term used to describe Christians. So what does that mean practicing that now? I think that's why the New Testament is like adamant about the one another's. Like, what do we do now in the present? It matters. We're not just coasting in this life until we get to heaven. No, there's 59 commands to actually do something towards your brother and sister in Christ. To learn now what it means to be in family because forever we will be in family. So then what could a vision of singleness from Jesus look like now? Just a few things here. Number one, I think it means a unique devotion to the Lord. We have to learn to get our primary relationship with God right before we ever have a prayer to get romantic relationships right. When we bring God-sized needs to be filled by humans, they cannot succeed. This is largely what we all expect a spouse will do for us. If we cannot get a vision of the wonder of the person of Jesus and be devoted to him, we will not find what we are looking for in others. Number two, I think it's, a, it's making a very real and unique difference in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, if you can accept this, Paul's saying, I wish that you would just like be willing to do this. If you get a vision, you are freed up to make a unique difference in the world. If you are single, it just is what it is. There is a unique freedom in that. I think that's been abused. We'll talk about that in a second, but there is a unique freedom. But Jesus is not trying to like abuse your time for his kingdom. 
He's inviting you to participate into a unique and glorious way with the unique margin that you have been given. It doesn't mean you just burn out for Jesus. I hate that phrase. Because single people need rest and rhythms of being with Jesus just like married people do. But I do think it means you have unique ability and opportunities to do some things that folks who are married may not be able to do. Don't waste that away. Whether you're single by choice or you desire to be married still, just don't wish your life away. God wants to do extraordinary things through you. Number three, I think it means a distraction-free life. So 1 Corinthians again, Paul's saying, I would like for you to be free from concern. And he goes on to say, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how can he, or how he can please the Lord. Then he talks about married men and married women are more about how can they please each other. He's saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way and undivided devotion to the Lord. So he has such, Paul has such a strong vision of being enamored by Jesus and using this time, however long it is, whether it's for a little bit or a lifetime, to just say, Jesus, I'm yours, do what you want is what married people should say too. (laughs) Do what you want in and through me. And I just like, my friends who are single, I just encourage you, living lives not crippled by anxiety of finding someone, but a posture and a willingness just to do whatever. Doesn't mean you stop having desire for marriage, but being the willing to live in a culture that says that is the summation of you and you just say, no, that's not. Me being in connection with Jesus is the good life. And then lastly, I think it's an invitation to a discovery more of just yourself. What if you spent the time now really figuring out who it is that God made you to be? Your talents, your giftings, vocation. It's a time to experiment. Like, who are you? I just don't, I don't want you to waste it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't long for marriage. It's a good desire. I don't want you to idolize it the way that our culture and even other Christians have. Because that's wrong. And that is not the summation of you. Jesus said, if you do the will of my Father, my Father will honor you. You are so loved by God. That is who you are. So I just want to invite now um, some friends of mine. We're going to have just an honest kind of discussion around um, some questions. You guys can go ahead and come up. Um, Not all at once. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, let's give them just a warm welcome. Bobby, that's my seat. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a couple couple introductions. Um, Sophia, but yeah. <laughs> Sophia um, is one of our life group leaders here at our church. Um, just started. Yeah, yeah, welcome. Um, this is Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bobby, Bobby serves as a, serves as one of our elders here, um, and this is my friend Savannah. She doesn't go here, but I love her so much. <laughs> Savannah, I've known since she was a freshman; I was a sophomore. Yeah, at state. So, I just have um, I just have a few questions for you guys um, because we'd love to just kind of hear. You know, from your experience, like some of these concepts, some of these things. Um, but I'll start with this. Like, what are some core challenges 
I've seen us. Is this on? Is this on? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. I can do ten minutes. Okay. Okay. I'll start. Um, I think I want to acknowledge that singleness is hard. I don't think we're sitting up here like we've got it down because I don't. I don't. I will say I don't. Um, but I think for me, a core challenge is probably comparison, especially because we live in a day and age of social media. And you'll go on Instagram and you see everyone's getting engaged, everyone's getting married, everyone's having kids, and you're like, great, I, you know, live in an apartment with roommates, you know? So, um, and that's awesome, and I'm so happy <laughs> that my roommates are here. Um, but it's really easy to compare your timeline to everyone else's and look at yourself and be like, okay, I'm 24 and my parents are married at 22. Or, um, you know, my best friend just got married, what about me? And so I think it's really easy to fall into the comparison trap and then start, you know, sitting in self-doubt and asking yourself these questions of like, am I worthy? Am I fun? Am, do I have a personality? Like, do people like me? Um, and so I think that's something that I struggle with a lot is just the comparison trap, which I think is very, very real. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would second that. And I think even in that, like sometimes like navigating your responses to what maybe you're expected to be like, mm. like there are times where like I'm kind of just chilling, but then it gets yeah. brought up and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to be like defensive about it or be like weird and sad, but also not seem like anti-marriage because you're like, oh, I'm just not like, you know, what else am I supposed to be? Like, I don't know. But yeah. the, and then, like, in that, sometimes the, I think with comparison and also with, there's, like, a grass is greener syndrome, like, trying to fight that, where you're not looking for any maybe problem that goes wrong and maybe solve it with what I think society pitches as, as what could be better. Like, oh, I, this would be better if I had if I was married or if I was married, my spouse could help me with this or my, these people would treat me different if I was married and having to maybe navigate that with loneliness or not is just unique, I think, in this stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so all my best friends have been married, so I've gotten over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, there's a, <clears throat> you know, the first thing I want to say, because I've, I've been at this church since it started, uh, I am deeply loved here. I have great friends and being single here at Life Church is really easy. Like, I do want to say that. So if you're new here, like, this is probably the place for you <laughs> if you want to walk in singleness. Like, I have some deep relationships with people here that are married and not married and all. But yeah, that's a, that's a little bit different thing for me because like my closest friends here at church are married. Uh, they're a little bit closer to my age, and um, and I have good relationships with them. And, and they and they treat me well, and it's nothing on them at all. But it's like it's that part that Paul talks about. I have so much freedom. Like I don't have to I don't have to worry about somebody else's thoughts. I'm not on the way home thinking about how I'm gonna serve a wife. Like I'm. Like thinking about the church, dreaming about stuff, like thinking about theology or like what's going on with all kinds of people. And uh and so I like to share that with my friends and have those deep connections, but because like people are in different states of life, like it becomes stuff like Caleb knows that. Like I call him late all the time and he's got his phone on silence, and I'm like, in my head, that's not for me, that's for the other members. And so I call right, <laughs> so I call right back. <laughs> I, I love all of you, but I, I need some space. <laughs> and he always, yeah. he doesn't answer every time, but he always checks on, are you okay? And uh, so, what I'm saying, like, when you're, when you got friends that are like that, and it's like, you're just in a different state of life, you can't just, like, do whatever you yeah. want. So it's like, as I grow older, that still becomes a little bit tough. Uh, you know, like, because all of them, Daniel Coggins, Ben Davey, uh, like, they are my close, me and Dan talk for hours every week, 
And so that's, that's been even tough, like, because of the situation that's happened to him. Mm. Like, dang, like, that was, like, one of my gifts to, in my singleness. Like, I have a deep, intimate relationship with Daniel on a level that's, like, different. Mm. And, uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of great people here. But it does, like, I think about that, like, the older I get, like, people aren't just becoming single. People are getting married. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a little bit tough sometimes. Yeah. But, again, uh. I, I'm still like I'm okay. I got, I feel really loved by the people here, yeah. and, and you do a good job, Caleb. Even though you got a responsibility to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I mute. Yeah, I mute everybody, Bobby, not just you. So that is a funny thing, though. Like nobody, else, like I mean, some people are going from married to single, but it does feel like there's something that's supposed to be coming to an end, or like you're in a like everybody's like giving you advice for this next stage that's gonna come yeah. or is guaranteed or you should like be super wanting. Um, but then sometimes it, cause they've been in your shoes and it ended and they're like, Ooh, yay, mm. which is awesome and so nice, like love it. But then sometimes it feels weird or like you, your advice is less ex- wanted because you can't necessarily mm. speak to being married yeah. or having kids because each stage has or everything has different challenges but yeah. it is kind of feels like even if you're not waiting you're kind of waiting yeah. or it's like around the corner or maybe not like yeah. <laughs> so like you're you're saying like yeah the things that you could contribute maybe it feels like Oh, cool, yeah, it's just my single friend telling me things that, yeah, I don't really, is that kind of what you're saying? Or is it, like, a lessening or lowering of value? Like, Yeah, no, maybe. Okay. But, uh, That's why I asked. <laughs> 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 Great question. More like, um, I don't know, what would be the vibe? Uh, we could table it. Yeah. Come back, circle back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what are, uh, yeah, run the bathroom real quick. Yeah. <laughs> what are, um, so what are some things that you wish people would stop saying to you <laughs> as a person? Here, I, can, I can start again. <laughs> um, I think one of them is like, why, like, how are you still single? Like mm. asking me that. Because that's a really great question that I would also love to know. The yeah, um, but <laughs> more so just because it puts it puts like a sense of pressure mm. of like, and then it makes me then it makes me wonder. Yeah, like how am I still single? You're right. Yeah, like I, I do I do I do think I'm I think I'm great. I think the Lord, you know, like and then you're like wait, but maybe I'm not. And then it just mm. makes you start thinking like maybe they, they see suck. it. Maybe yeah, exactly. Next, next, next. I think also though. I'll just clarify, like, I'm not easily offended. So, like, if anyone's ever asked me that, like, it's okay. Um, but but I, think, I have these five people in <laughs> mind as I'm just But I think just, like, understanding, like, I know people's intention to that isn't, like, yeah. like, I want you to go think about that when you go to bed tonight. It's just, like, how are they just, they're just asking that, kind of like, how are you so single? Because they think you're awesome, which is a compliment. Like, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But also, yeah, it puts a pressure on it of, like, well, should I be, what should I be doing so that I'm not single? As if being single is not good. Like, mm. there's something better. So, like, why am I still That's in this good. stage? Yeah. Like, it's a, it puts a value to, like, this is a lesser stage. And when you get somewhere else, you've graduated yeah. and are now a level unlocked, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so I, that's something that I think would be nice if I heard less. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I have had, I didn't say this, but I have had conversations you know, with other married people that have said, I just can't believe this person, you know, is this. So it's like, I, that's just a word even for like folks who are married that are having conversations about like our single friends. Like, yeah, there's, that's really, yeah, thank you so much. Um, yes, I'm also not easily offended. I'm pretty secure in my, and I feel like I'm pretty healthy in my identity in Christ and in the church, so I really don't, like, I, when I was looking at that question, I'm like, man, that's not, like, but as a leader, it's funny, uh, I talk to a lot of people in the church, 
And it's like, especially with life groups. Yeah. And then people are always, and we don't have a lot of married people here tonight. It's kind of a bummer because I kind of wanted them to hear this. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> we, I hear you. And, so, uh, <laughs> and none of the married people has ever said this to me, so y'all are good okay. um, that are here. we did it guys um but they'll be talking and it's like uh man i i really like to try out a new group because i'm just like you know in a different stage of life there's a lot of single people and i'm like dude you're talking to a single guy right now Mm. i'm like it doesn't like i really walk away but i'm like man that that's not what we're doing here yeah like and that doesn't like it you feel it a little bit you're like you know what do you mean Mm. like what are you trying to do like and uh and so yeah it's like yeah like come with a different reason if you come to me want me to switch life groups like, that's not really <laughs> what i care to hear uh and, and i do understand them i'm not being harsh in that like sure. there is a different stage of life uh and how you connect and all that stuff but like i after what we just heard the teaching and stuff i don't i don't believe that's what jesus meant when us being together mm of like finding people in stages of life yeah uh to be with in the body yeah well and if you yeah if you feel that way like if you're like i can't connect with people because they're all married like that's a loss on us as married people like because we have seen like oh i'm married i only hang out with married people or like i that's a that's a huge loss i would say on us yeah thank you for sharing that yeah So I think that's kind of, I guess, the vibe of what I couldn't answer earlier is like that or maybe, because I also don't think I get too offended sometimes <laughs> intensely, um, but the, like, want, like not, people not wanting to bother me because I'm too busy or like assuming like the that they, like, I don't want anything to do with them because they're married or have kids. Like, I think that would, I'm always like, I literally have nothing but time. It would be the light of my life to come (laughs) hang out. Like, please, God, (laughs) (laughs) invite me over. (laughs) But, or please come hang out at my house. It's dirty and just me, so. (laughs) Um, And you got some sick JF Kennedy, like, art, so. You do. It's a Norman Rockwell. You're invited. Thank you. Um, so that kind of, that's actually a good segue in this next one. So in singleness, are, are there certain maybe challenges or expectations that are put on you because you do have more time? Um, yeah, I think for me, I'm going to talk about work because I just came from work and it's top of mind, but there's an expectation that I will work more because I'm single because I have more time. So if uh, my coworker says that it's their son's recital, that takes priority and their obligations are held of higher value than my friend's birthday dinner or something like that. Mm. Um, it's like I'm the one who's going to sacrifice and then have to work later because mm. that is just of higher value. I think that's just something that happens in a lot of workplaces. Um, If you have an obligation to your spouse or to your family, that is just seen as more important. Um, And sometimes, like, that's, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) I understand that. But it's also hard because then how do you get your point across that, like, your time is also valuable? Mm. But for some reason, it's just seen as less valuable. (laughs) Yeah, that'll preach. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I have team members all the time tell me, oh, I got this with my wife or this is good. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> I know neither of them. <laughs> but uh, And it is in a way of like, I know they're asking because like, I'm not going home to do that. So you're like, okay. But anyway, um, so I agree with you on that. And I work stuff. Um, in the church, again, here, uh, I've I've never felt that from from anybody. I think I put that on myself 
at times. So I have to watch that. Like, hey, uh, and it's just, I, mean, it's, I was just saying, I mean, I have to speak up here as an elder because I'm an elder and that's what I do a lot in this church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like with the guys and uh, I do feel like this responsibility that I, that I put on myself that they do not at all uh, hear me in that. Um, that's like, man, like, yeah, they, they have to go home and do this with the family or they don't have, they need to take their time to do this kind of stuff. So like, I'll do the meetings, I'll do this, I'll make the phone call. Oh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's a little bit like on me that I feel that, yeah. uh, nothing, but it's like, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't sure. feel that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But it, yeah, I deal with that. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like the flip side of that. I'm like, man, I, I do enjoy it. Cause like, I understand what Paul's talking about. I'm like I have the time to do it. And so it's like the, the sacrifice feels like a gift too. So I don't know. You're kind of just hearing my thoughts right now. I'm not giving y'all <laughs> <laughs> what that is, but it's, uh, we got all night. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, man, it's the flesh. It's like, now I deserve this too. But then it's like the love for the church and the body in Christ. It's like, not, you know, I, I want my fellow elders that are married. I want them to, to not have to do this because I can't do it. And, like, I'm not hurting anybody by doing it. Like, I'm not sacrificing somebody else, a spouse, mm. by, by handling this stuff. So it's one, it's one of those things. It's just like, yeah. I have to work out. But sometimes I think I do, in a way, put it on myself a little too much and mm. become tired and not rest in Jesus as, as I should. Yeah. Uh, burn out for Jesus. Yeah, burn out for Jesus. <laughs> it's self-martyring, yeah. almost. Or like... Mm are like an absorption of a bias against it or towards it because I'll do the same thing like at work like nobody like explicitly says oh Savannah you stay or you do da 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 but if I ever am slacking which I don't um (laughs) there's like no excuse it's not like I have kids or like you know, carpool in the morning for why I'm late I wish I had that as an excuse that'd be amazing (laughs) to blame it on somebody else, but it's just like, there's no, um, I don't give myself grace for it because it feels like the things I have going on aren't as equally important or valuable as those things would be. And I, and it, there's also like a part to it that is like real. Like I am acknowledging, yeah, it is harder in some ways to be, like I get to go home and it'd be quiet and not like yeah. have to pull out a whole new version of myself after work and take care of kids like my coworkers do. But I also wish, but then I, I don't know, there's like, how do you find that balance where you're not self punishing, but also not the other side? Yeah, and I I will say like, I don't want like to sound like the answers that I'm giving is just like the negative, this is really a positive to that. I mean, I really do feel loved by the Father. Like when I'm reading, uh, about the Apostle Paul and like the sacrifice and how hard he worked. Like, I feel like love for that extra that I give. And then I don't have to tell anybody about it because like, I love obscurity also. And uh, and I believe I will be rewarded for it. Mm. And uh, and I don't do it just like, to get, but I do. Like, I want the Father to be pleased with me. Mm. And I, and I want to work hard. Like, this life is so short. And uh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm not talking up here like I made this decision like I'm the eunuch that's like gonna stay single the rest of my life but like yeah. I really do try to seize the moment if I while I am single if I'm not yeah for the rest of my life yeah. and uh and so it it is beautiful to be able to like do more and more and more yeah. and have the expectations uh, but I really like to your question I really don't feel that from anybody else yeah uh yeah especially here in the church uh, so. that's good yeah, I think that's what was so, I don't know, convicting for me was just how we view singleness as like an obstacle to get over. And it's like, yeah, it's not as good as like this version of life, you know, I'm just like, God, that's like satanic. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. Uh, there's just like, yeah, there's such a devaluing in that. Um, 
so many blessings being single. I don't have to ask nobody's permission. <laughs> <laughs> every, every friend, like, let me talk to my wife. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I get up and go where I want, leave when I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do enjoy it. <laughs> so that, um, that vision that Jesus gives in Matthew 22 where he's saying, you know, marriage is only between the, the bride of Christ and, and himself. And like, if anything, like our, our future reality is, is singleness in a sense. How does that kind of eternal perspective shape singleness for you now? I honestly, like, I love that question because it gives me so much joy. I could probably cry thinking about it because I feel like it's just, affirms me that I am not missing out mm. when the world says that I might be missing out on something. And I feel in a weird sense, like closer to Christ in that. Mm. Um, and it truly reaffirms that it is a gift, like singleness, like the scripture doesn't just say singleness is a gift because I want them to feel better about themselves. Mm -hmm. It really is a gift. It's mm. not something wrapped in a pretty bow. It, yeah, that's good. actually something else. It truly is a gift. Mm. Um, and there's such joy in that. Mm. And I feel like that's, it's a hard lesson that I feel like I'm constantly like telling myself over and over, like, this is good, this is good. Um, and it is really good. And I like can like happily say that I am content. And there have been scenes in my life where I have not been. Mm. Um, but I'm like in Philippians, like Paul says to be content in every season. Mm. And it's so true. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I just like that reality and that reminder it's like i'm not missing out and like jesus is telling me i'm not like i just yeah there's like a beauty in that that's so good 